Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to share something very simple with you tonight. You know, having a pastor like Pastor Ed, it's not easy for a simple guy like me to come and teach you anything. <laughs> He's a tough act to follow. But let's look at John chapter 10. John chapter 10. John chapter 10 verse 27. Jesus said something. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And they follow me. There's three things here. Firstly, Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice. Okay? And that he knows his sheep. And that we follow him. We follow him because we know his voice. So I want to share with you tonight about learning to hear from God. Because one of the things is that I'll be honest with you. There are lots of people, Christians, who don't know how to hear the voice of God. You know, they, they, they are confused. I have some people who say, well, I don't hear the voice of God. How do I hear the voice of God? Then there's people who tell me I hear strange voices, which is even worse, you know. Instead of hearing the voice, of, I mean, I would rather not hear anything at all than hear weird, bizarre things, you know. And so... Uh, but Jesus said that we are his sheep and we know, we hear his voice. Amen. So he, in a way, it sounds like he takes it for granted that it should be the most natural thing in the world for us who are God's people to hear his voice. I mean, that's the way Jesus looks at it. It should be the most natural thing to hear the voice of God. So that we can follow him. Because unless we hear his voice, it's very difficult to follow him. Because we don't know what is he saying, or what is the devil saying, and what is of us. Okay, now, three ways in which the Lord speaks to us. Number one, he speaks to us through his word. That's the number one way in which God speaks to us. The word of God. The number two way in which he speaks to us is by his spirit. By his spirit is when you are in prayer and you feel the Holy Spirit speak to you. Or he speaks to you through a word of prophecy. That's also the Holy Spirit speaking. But when the Holy Spirit, I mean when God speaks to you by his spirit. That must always be measured against his word. Because sometimes you can end up hearing something that sounds great and you think is the word of God, but it, it stands in conflict with the word of God. And sometimes the person who says that thing can be a well-known speaker. You know, and you think that, well, because he said it, it has to be right. Right? Or it can be somebody who has prophesied Nine times over you before and each time he has been on the dot. And the tenth time he could be saying something that's off the wall that could destroy your life. But you don't assume that it is wrong. You don't even question it because the past nine times he was correct. Every time you sense the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. It has to be measured against the word of God. Amen. But we can measure things against the word only if we have a good working knowledge of the word of God. If we don't have a good solid foundation of the word, it's very hard for us to measure against the word. Because we don't know what the word of God says. Amen? Because I've noticed the reason I'm saying this, that in the last few years I've seen in the church at large, there's a drifting away from the word. People don't read their Bibles anymore. In the same way as they used to. And one of the main things is that I know in most churches 
when preachers preach. So they, you know, for the sake of everyone's convenience, they, they put the scriptures up on the overhead, which is okay because there's people who don't know the scripture who are new believers. But what happens is that, so even believers who have been Christians for some time, they stop bringing their Bibles to church. Because they say, well, it's going to be on the overhead anyway. So what that does, that's so detrimental because soon they begin to stop reading the Bible. Because if you don't bring your Bible to church, where else will you take it? I think the word Bible and church kind of go together. Right? I don't feel fully dressed if I don't bring my Bible to church. It's like going to the office without your pants, you know, in your boxers. You, you don't do that. You, I mean, there's some things you just don't do. You don't go outside the house without wearing your pants, you know. You just don't do it. I mean, there's certain things that are a must. And one of them is bring your Bible to church. Amen. Study your Bible. Read your Bible in, in your home. So that there is great safety in that. I can tell you horror stories. I knew one man. He was a powerful man of God. I won't give you any names. But he was. I mean he was like six foot six tall. And he was rail thin. You know why? Because he used to fast and pray all the time. And he had miracles. Mighty amazing miracles in his ministry. He used to fast and pray. But he went so much into fasting and praying that he, he began to neglect the word of God. And he had these miracles flowing. And one day, he told his friends, God had told him to divorce his wife and marry his secretary. And he was totally convinced it was God. You couldn't talk him out of it. He should have known better. But you see, over time, he had drifted away from the word of God. And the, the, that spiritual experience that he had that told him to do that was obviously so strong that he felt it has to be God because it was so powerful. Well, the other ministers around him warned him. They begged him, pleaded with him. He refused. He ended up divorcing his wife, marrying a secretary. They had a baby. And then when the baby was newborn, one day he was in a car crash. He was killed. His new wife was killed. His baby was killed. What a loss. A tremendous loss to the body of Christ. But fortunately, this was like, I think this was over 20, 25 years ago. Fortunately, God has raised up his son, who is a strong. He has taken over the ministry and he's going like his father was going before. Powerful man of God. So God can still redeem things. But it's a waste of a life. Right? So everything we think we hear by the Spirit has to be measured against the Word of God. So the first way God speaks to us is by His Word. And that is when you're studying the Word and suddenly God quickens a scripture to you. I mean, every word from God is the Word of God. But there's a written word, which is the logos. And there's a rhema word. The word rhema, you know, there's many discussions about what rhema means. But when I was in Greece, I asked my Greek friends. And they said, rhema is actually a, a, a word that, uh, uh, that uh, a verb that, that implies action. It's a, it's, a, it's a moving word. It's a word with action in it. Amen. So when the Holy Spirit takes the word of God and he quickens it to you, it seems to jump out of the pages and, and, and speaks to you. And God says, this is what you will do. As opposed to all the other verses you have been reading, this one verse jumps up or two verses or chapter, whatever it is, speaks to you. That is God speaking to his by his word. Or he can speak through his spirit. And that comes through living a life of prayer and and, you know, and, and through the gifts of the Spirit. Now, the third way through which God speaks to us is through our leaders and through our peers in the body of Christ. Many times God speaks to us through other people. 
I can be sitting with some of my friends, preacher friends, and just, just casually enjoying fellowship with them. And then somebody says something that really leaps out at me. And he wasn't intending to prophesy or be quote unquote spiritual. We were just talking and then suddenly he says something or tells a story or an experience that that jumps up at me. And the Lord said, this is what you'll do. Now that is God speaking to you through your peers or through your leaders. God can speak to you through your pastors, through your spiritual leaders or those who are in spiritual authority over you or people who speak into your life. They may not be pastors, but there's always people, you know, who, are, who have like, like father figures in your life. God speaks to you through them. God can speak to you through your peers and friends. And never shut those avenues when God can speak to you because many, many times God speaks to you through others and never shut any door through which God can speak to you. Because you and I don't get to decide through which channel God will speak to us. You know, I can't say, I will not listen to anyone, you know. I just hear from God. Well, fine. There's a lot of things God wants to say to me through other people. I will never hear them because I have decided to shut that door. Amen? So be humble and teachable and always keep those doors open and let the Father speak to you. Okay. And now we need to learn to hear God's voice for two reasons. Primarily two reasons. Firstly, for God to speak into our own life. For personal growth, personal guidance and leading, for counsel, and sometimes even for warnings. Amen? We need to hear God, how God speaks to us for our personal growth. For leading, for guidance, for warnings. You know, God will speak to us. He will tell us, do this. Don't do that. Be careful of this. Go there. These are the ways the Holy Spirit leads us. So, and these are things that God speaks to us for our own lives, for our own sake, for our own betterment, for our own benefit. We need to learn to hear the Father. Now, the second reason God speaks to us is for God to speak through us to others. First reason is for our benefit. Secondly, God wants to speak through us for the benefit of others. And that is mainly through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, so, such as words of knowledge, the word of, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, prophecy, discernment of spirits. You know, these are things through which you can help other people. You can be with people and somebody is in a perplexing situation and then suddenly God gives you a word of knowledge. I'll never forget, I have a friend, he's a businessman in, in Sweden and I think I was in Thailand or someplace and, uh, you know, and I was, I was laying in bed about to go to sleep and I was just praying in tongues and suddenly I kind of, I saw my friend's face before me and it's not, I don't think of him every day, but I suddenly saw his face and I heard a, a small, still voice say to me, uh, tell him not to invest his money where he's thinking of investing now. He's being tempted and the devil will cheat him. So I picked up the phone and I said, hey, brother, this is me. Oh, brother, you're calling me from where? I said, I'm in Thailand. Oh, thank you. How are you doing? I said, I'm fine. I said, the Lord just told me to tell you this. Don't put your money into what is before you right now. This is not of God. He said, how did you know I was going to make, I was going into big investment? I said, I didn't know. The Holy Spirit told me. He said, well, there's a guy from Italy. He, is, uh, he wants to get into partnership with me, but I've had a little bit of check, but I was waiting for some kind of confirmation. And this is confirmation I shouldn't do it. Amen? So he was waiting for confirmation. He was praying and I was in, in, I was in the other side of the earth and God just quickened me and, and I, I told him and it helped him. And this has happened to me many, many times. Sometimes I'll call, sometimes I'll give an email. He said, hey brother, the Lord just told me to tell you this. And, and often to me it's like a little thing, but for him it's a major thing he's going to step into. Amen? 
So we need to be in a position where we can always hear the word of God for the benefit of other people. Amen. Because that's ministry. Ministry is when you touch other people. Are you with me? So that's why we need to learn to hear the word of God. Because there's people out there, they're waiting for a confirmation from God. Especially when you're going into something big, you need to hear from God. And, they need to, and uh, you know, there have been other situations where, like, I have been praying and uh, I, I remember we were in someone's home and we were praying over this situation in the family. And I was praying and, uh, uh, with, 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 with another minister and he was speaking in tongues. And, and he was saying this one word in tongues Again and again. So I stopped him and I said, I keep on hearing this word you're saying again and again. And you know what it was? It, I didn't know this, but it was a word in Latin. And what it actually meant, that there were several demons in that situation. He didn't know what he was saying. And so we went into deliverance mode and cast the devil out of this family. Sometimes it's things like that. You know, there's words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophecy, discernment of spirits and things like that. You don't know in the natural and God puts them before you. So we have to be in a place where we can hear those things. We can sense those things. Amen. That's, that's supernatural. Praise God. Now, keys to hearing the voice of God. The first thing you have to remember that in the times we are living in, there are too many signals in the airwaves these days. Too many voices vying for our attention. Too many concerns, just too much going on. This makes it very confusing. Now, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was a teenager, we didn't have television, but we used to listen to the radio. Some of you folks remember those days, right? We listened to the radio. And when you're tuning your radio set, you know, you're going through the different frequencies. Do you remember you used to hear this, uh, the beep of Morse code going on? I mean, there were hundreds of channels going off in Morse code. When I was a kid, I didn't know what it was, what that noise was. And then, years later, after I left the military, I decided to become a merchant marine radio officer. So I studied to be a merchant marine radio officer and there I learned that what I was hearing was actually the Morse code. These were letters by the, of the alphabet that were being transmitted using a Morse key. And so I learned to send and receive in Morse. I can still do it, but I can't do it as fast as I could at one time. I still remember all the, all the letters of the alphabet, and this is a series of dots and dashes, you know. So, so for a, another person, regular person, it's dots and dashes, you know, long and short. But for me, for your trained ear, it's, it's an A or an L or a P or an R or an I or an O, you know, that kind of thing. So now, the thing is that when we used to tune through the radio, there'd be so many so many of these signals going on at the same time. All over the airwaves, there were many of these signals. So we used to have these sets that were high frequency sets, but that were very, very precise. So you'd come to a frequency and there were like four or five channels going off in Morse. And then you fine tune it until you come to one channel. And when you're on a ship's radio, you, you come to the channel that is speaking to you. You understand what I'm saying? So there could be, it could be another ship signaling to you or it could be someone from the shore signaling to you, telling you about the weather or, or it can be anything. And so you're listening to others, but you want to tune into the frequency that's talking to you. Right? Because they tell you when you're in this area, you tune into this frequency. Then when you sail on a hundred more miles, you're here, this is your frequency. So you tune into your frequency. And so what happens, you also tune out 
all those other frequencies, all those other signals that are coming your way, you can hear them. You just want to shut them out and you want to, you want to be, uh, you know, tuned, uh, fine-tuned to that frequency which is speaking to you. Now, that is your frequency. That's who you're talking to. And then they talk to you and you talk to them back and forth, back and forth. And you know exactly what's going on, what they're saying and what you are saying. They can hear you and you communicate that way. That's how you communicate with Morse. So, I think of that many times and I think of the days we are living in. There are so many things out there. In the airwaves. There's God speaking, there's dev, the devil speaking, then there's people speaking. You go to the internet, there's all this news. You go and sit in front of the TV, you got 350 channel, each one is saying something different. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the and 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 Everything gets lost in it. You don't know what's right, what's wrong, what is true, what's false. You know, you everything is up in the air. So, you've got to learn to hear the voice of God. Because in the midst of all this confusion, God is speaking. Right? We're listening to music, we are listening to this, we are listening to that. And through all that, God is speaking somewhere. So you've got to tune everything out and fine-tune him in. Because you can, then you can hear what he's saying to you. And life is even more complicated and confusing today than it was 20 years ago. That's why people these days are far more confused than people were 20 years ago. I mean, in the Pentecostal movement, 20, 30 years ago, we knew what we believed, we knew what we stood for. Nowadays, there's so much going on. There's gold dust, there's gold teeth, and someone is saying, this is happening, and at the end of the day, you don't know what is God, what is not of God, because everybody is saying there's something happening everywhere, and everything is of God, if you were to believe them. And some of these things contradict each other. Then there's people talking about preaching about holiness. Then there's people preaching about extreme grace. You know, everything is forgiven. You're okay. God loves you, you know. And so you don't know what is right, what is wrong. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you got to fine tune. Tune yourself into the voice of God. And tune out all the other voices. And this is how you do it. How to get out of the confusion. How you hear the voice of God. Number one, spend time in the word. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. Simple. Read your Bible. Amen. Amen. It's simple. You got a Bible, right? Just read it. Read your Bible. That's one thing I learned, you know, being uh, going to Rama and uh, um, sitting under Brother Hagen. And even today, I use that yardstick and there's so much going on. And people say, is this of God? Is that of God? So people ask me. I say, well, look, I'm not one to judge, but I know this much. Brother Hagen said, by the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. It's in the Bible. I know this by the Bible. I say, so people ask me, uh, tell me the one thing you learned from Brother Hagen that stands out above everything else. I said, it's this, that if it's in the Bible, it's good. If it's not in the Bible, just put it on the shelf. You understand what I'm saying? You know, let, let, let me tell you a story. Many years ago, this is um, maybe 34 years ago, my wife, well, my wife and I have been married 36 years, and this was around 30-some years ago. I had a tremendous, you know, I was a young preacher, and I had a tremendous experience. I prayed for a little boy who was dying, who was paralyzed, back home in Sweden, and God healed him powerful miracle and after that 
<coughs> oh, sorry. There was a tremendous attack on my mind. I was gazing, I was hearing all these things, thinking all these crazy thoughts. And I knew it was connected to that miracle. I knew that much. And I was going crazy. So I went to the guy who was my spiritual leader. And uh, he was a pastor. So I asked him, I said, Pastor, I'm hearing this attack. I'm having this attack. What should I do? And he said to me, you have demons. I said, okay, if I have demons, you're a man of God. Could you cast them out? So I, I remember I bowed my head before him like that. And he, he looked at me, didn't know what to do. I said, you are saying I have demons. And if I have demons, please cast, cast them out so I can be free. Well, he put his hand on my head and began to cast demons out. Then he said, you are free. I said, thank you. And uh, I went home. And the, but the voices continued. So I came back to him a few days later. I said, Pastor, those things are still bothering me. And then he said, he said, you got to understand, demons don't just go away like this, that you snap your fingers and they leave. Sometimes they stick around a long, long time. And then I remember he picked up a pencil from his desk and made his fingers like scissors. He said, sometimes you have to cut the demons out bit by bit. I said, how long will it take? He said, it can take, I don't know. So now I had this fear that I had demons that I couldn't be free from. I couldn't be free from. And these things going on in my head were the devil. And I couldn't really be free. And I, I used to preach. And I was afraid that one day, maybe while I'm preaching, the devil will begin to speak through me. I was scared. So I came into such a mode of fear. And I, for months, it went on for months. So now... I, was, it was, I wasn't hearing those voices that much anymore because those voices were drowned out by the fear I was bound by. That I had demons, you know. I don't even recall hearing those voices anymore. But now I was bound by this fear that I had demons and the devil would speak to me one day. And I remember I used to lay up at night in cold sweat, shaking with fear. This thing totally, totally got a hold of me. And, uh, and I believed I had demons and those demons would speak to me and something bad would happen. It was very real to me. So I remember one night my wife was sleeping and the lights were out and I was laying on my side of the bed. I mean, shivering, shaking in fear. And uh, suddenly, I, I, you know, I was staring up at the ceiling. It was like a neon sign appeared. You know, this neon lettering, like, you know, those neon bulbs forming letters. And it said, a scripture, I think it was 2 Corinthians 4, 6 or something like that. And I remember looking at it and I sat up on my bed and, and, and looked at it. And it was like as real as, I, as you are sitting in front of me. And I switched on the bedside lamp and I looked at it. It was still there. So what I did, in those days, I, I normally use the King James, but I took a break from the King James, and I was reading the New International Version, and I opened the New International Version and, and opened it to that verse, and it was one of those long verses where Paul was talking about, some people say they're of Paul, some say they're of Apollos, and all that. It was one of those long verses, and in the middle of the verse, there was a phrase which says, do not go beyond that which is written. Do not go beyond that which is written. And the moment I saw that, it was like, a, like the lights went on. Because I realized this is what I had been doing. I had built my whole belief on everything on what this man had said. And in doing so, I had gone beyond that which was written in the word of God. And the moment I realized that, it was like the lights went out. All the oppression left me and I have been free since then. And that was before I went to Ramah. And I made up my mind that day. I will never believe anything unless it is in the Bible. And not just one obscure verse somewhere in the book of Lamentations. But there has to be several scriptures holding that up. Only then is it worth believing in or preaching. Or staking your life on. Amen? 
So that's the first thing you do to hear the voice of God. Study the word, read the word, be strong in the word of God. Know what the word of God says, check everything according to the word. Amen. Doesn't matter how good or how spiritual those manifestations, all those revelations, all those prophecies. Look, if it's not in the Bible, it's not for you and me. Amen. You will not, believe me, you will not miss out on anything by walking away from spectacular, spectacular things if they're not in the Bible. You're not missing anything. Amen. Number two. I call it the blessing of an uncluttered mind. These days we are living in, our minds are so cluttered. Not necessarily by sinful or unclean things. Often these are perfectly legitimate things that are not dirty. Sometimes we say, okay, I will not uh, watch anything on TV that has cuss words. There they use swear words or they use the name of the Lord in vain and that's where I draw the line. But your mind can still be cluttered with a lot of junk. Amen. Paul says all things are permissible for me but all things are not expedient. There are things that are permissible that are perfectly okay that are not good for you. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1. In the beginning, it says we are running this race. And as we are running this race, there are two things we have to do. Firstly, we have to be watchful for sin. And the secondly, we should throw off the weights that can hinder us. These weights are things that are not necessarily sinful, but they can weigh you down. Amen? There's a lot of things that vie for our attention. There are too many, too much entertainment, too many things to see, too many things to do. Amen. Be choosy about what you do, what you give your mind to. Amen. <coughs> Listen. I used to hunt and fish a lot. Still wish I could do, do it, but I haven't done it for a long time. Because you know why? Because when I go into that mound, I tell you, it can totally possess me. I've got a whole collection of rifles at home. I used to go shooting. I mean, you know, I'll be honest with you. I can get so passionate about it. And start spending money and start spending time and, and thinking of it and planning of it. That, that uh, you know, it's not just something that I'm living my life and I'm casual about it. Okay, let's go hunting. I'll take my gun. I mean, I, it, it really, it really, it possesses me. It's a perfectly legitimate thing. But once it begins to master you, it's better to stay away from it. Amen? I watch TV, but very little. I do watch TV. I don't stay away from it, but I'm, I'm choosy about what I watch. I don't sit for hours flipping through channels. I don't do that. I decide I'm going to watch this, and when I watch it, I'm done. Amen? Some people on the internet totally possesses them. There are a lot of things in this world that are not necessarily bad, but they clutter up your mind. And when your mind gets cluttered, it's very hard to hear from God. But that's the way of life in America. We have so many options available to us. We have so much of entertainment. We, we have, there are so many things we can do to spend our free time and, uh, and spend our time and money on. And all are good. All, these are, I'm, I'm not talking about dirty things. I'm talking about legitimate things. But the problem with those things is that when you have too much of that in your life, hmm, it takes you away from the word, takes you away from prayer. It takes you away from your focus towards the things of God. So that's why I like to call it 
the blessing of an uncluttered mind is a key to hearing from God. So what do you do? You, like you do, you know, some people do spring cleaning. You know, they go through the house and they've got all these nice things, but they realize, you know, I'm never going to wear this. I'm never going to use this. I don't know what possessed me to buy this, but I've never worn it. So what do you do? You put it in the garage sale or you give it away. You, you, do, you call it spring cleaning. So you have got to do a spring cleaning in your soul, in your heart, in your mind. Just clean certain things out. And some of the things are very dear. You know, I tell you, my rifles, my guns, my hunting, oh my goodness. But you know, I, I just want to keep my life simple. I want to keep my life uncluttered. Amen? Uh, let me tell you a story. Years ago, when I came out of Rama, I was in Sweden. And Sweden is also pretty much like America. There's so much entertainment. You've got everything. You know, you feel hungry. You, go, you just walk, and there's a hamburger there. There's hot dogs there. You know, you just, I mean, everything is there. So I got the opportunity to go to Poland, which at, one, at that time was a communist country. And if you went to a communist country, they didn't have much. Those communist countries were poor. So uh, somebody called me and they said, brother, there are two couples who are going to Poland with a shipment of food uh, to give to some, some Roman Catholics, the Catholic uh, university there, to the student camp. Would you like to come with us? I said, I said, sure, I'll come with you because I was free. And uh, I said, will I have an opportunity to preach? And they said, look, these people are Catholic. And <laughs> so it's not sure they'll let you, but just, just believe God. Trust God, he'll open the way. So I, so I went with them. Now, when we arrived at this place where we drove for three days, and when we came to this place, this was up in the mountains, and we were in the middle of nowhere, and we were staying in a pig farm which was full of flies. It was filthy. So, and, and I said, is there a hot dog place close by? No. Is there a McDonald's? They never heard of what a McDonald's was. They didn't know what a hamburger was. Are there televisions here? No, there's no televisions. There was absolutely nothing but flies. <laughs> so anyway, we came there with the food and... Uh, the Catholic priests asked me, they said, oh, we are thankful, we are so gr gr grateful. Is there anything we can do for you? And I jumped up, I said, I want to preach. And so they looked at me and they said, okay, fine, you can preach. I said, great. So I woke up the next morning and uh, I remember asking them about if there was a newspaper, if there were any, you know, any, any entertainment, any food, any TV, there was absolutely nothing. And I was going crazy with these flies. So I thought, I have to get away from the pigs as far as I can. So I walked out to the fields. It was all agricultural fields. So I walked to, out to the fields and I, I just began to just worship Jesus. And with my Bible, I would sit down, read the scripture. And I mean, that's, that's the only thing I could do. Read your Bible out in the fields and pray. I did that the first day. The second day, I began to notice how clean the air was. And it was I lived in the city. Then notice how, oh man, this air is so clean. And secondly, there's no people around here. It's so quiet. There's no traffic because people didn't have cars. And the only thing you hear is the sound of the birds. And I was kind of, I began to get into another mode. And then by the third day, all this craving for television and for magazines and, uh, and uh, you know, hot dogs and hamburgers, that kind of began to, because there, there was nothing there. I was there for, I think, seven or ten days. So what happened? Every day, I, I, I just used to walk for hours on the fields, just worshiping Jesus and singing the Spirit and, and praying in tongues. And something began to happen to me. I began to feel how my, my life was getting uncluttered. My mind was getting uncluttered. Everything became purer, less cluttered, cleaner. And then I began to hear God speak to me. Father began to speak to me. It suddenly became so easy to hear from God. I could be walking around and the Lord would speak to me. And then 
one day, you know, and I was doing these meetings with these university students and people were getting saved and healed. So one day they said to me, uh, there's a man, he has been in a car accident. He's paralyzed from the chest down. Would you come and pray for him? Now you've got to understand. Roman Catholics didn't do those things. And so those three, four days, five days, I had been preaching to these young people, praying for the sick. They thought, we Pentecostals, we could do anything. You know, so they said to me, would you come and pray for this man? And I remember I took two of my friends and walked into this house. And there was this man laying on this bed. And I stood next to him. And, you know, let me tell you one thing. When you stand in that situation, you are called to pray for a person who is totally paralyzed. And everybody has big hopes that you are going to do something and that person will be healed. The first thing is you feel this small. And you realize that a man really can do nothing. That's my, that was my first thought. I really can do nothing here. Because a man can do nothing. But then the second thought that came was, but I'm not alone. Jesus is with me. He has been talking to me every day. I've been walking in the fields with him. I have known his presence in a way I have never known before. And not just in a meeting, I feel the presence of God, then it lifts, but all the time. So I remember looking at the man, and I opened my mouth, and these words came out of my mouth. I said, brother, do not fear, Jesus loves you, and God is going to raise you up. And I took my oil bottle, anointed him his head with oil, prayed for him. And then I remember walking up to his feet, lifted the blanket. I spoke to his feet. I said, I command you in the name of Jesus, walk. That's all I did. And I stepped back. And as I stood there, the presence of God seemed to fill the room. And the next thing, a minute later, the man threw his blanket up. He jumped out of the bed and began to walk. You know, the way, the moment he began to walk, me and the guys who were with me, the next moment, we are on the floor. We are on our faces on the floor. We are weeping. We feel like Jesus in, is in the room and we were not even worthy to be there. That's how it felt. And he began, and then after a minute or so, I could hear, and this man was saying something. He was praying and he was weeping and worshiping God. I looked at him, and then I suddenly noticed that his one side of his chest was like this, so, and the other was, side was normal. So I don't know why I walked up and put my hand on his chest. And as soon as I touched his chest, it just went down. Later I found out he had seven broken ribs and they just instantly healed. Well, after this miracle, the bishop of Warsaw, the capital city, wanted to see me. He said, Brother Christopher, I know you're Pentecostal. You're not, uh, uh, you, you are not a Catholic, but we know the hand of God is over you. You have total freedom to preach the gospel anywhere in Poland. And for the next 10 years, I went all over the country in Catholic churches. And preach. I had up to 12,000 people at a time in my meetings. We saw, I mean, we saw... Children born twisted and crippled, you know, with brain damage get healed. We saw blind, crippled, lame people getting healed. Thousands of people came to the Lord and got baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, that is the blessing of an uncluttered mind. Amen? Because when we have an uncluttered mind, that's when you sense the presence of God. That's when the presence of God can come to you and God can speak to you and me. And in our society, especially in America, we are being continually brainwashed. It's either commercialization or it's entertainment or it's politics. You know, some people get into this political thing. That's all they can talk about. And people, are, you know, there, there are just so many things around us. And sometimes it's good just to do some spring cleaning of your life. And clean out some of these unnecessary things. Because, you know, what happens is that 90% of our mind gets cluttered with these things. And we only 10% left for Jesus. Clean 50 or 60% out. And give more room for Jesus. So I say, make room for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Because, let me just say this. You can live without a lot of things. But you cannot live without the voice of God. 
I can live without a lot of things. But I cannot live without the Holy Spirit. Without his voice. Okay. Are you with me? Number three. First three, spend time in the word. Number two, the blessing of an uncluttered mind. Number three, keep your eyes and your mind pure. Are you with me? Keep your eyes pure. Keep your mind pure. Keep your eyes pure. You know, a wise person, a mature person, isn't one who knows his strengths, but one who knows his weaknesses. Amen? I know when I am at my weakest. I am at my weakest when I'm out preaching and uh, had a good meeting. The meeting is over. I feel like I just want to flop down and rest. That's my greatest time of temptation. I don't trust myself at that time. So one of the things I do when I check into a hotel, I tell them, please shut all the pay movie channels. I always do that. You know why? I don't trust myself. I want to keep my mind, keep your eyes pure. That's the key to us hearing from God. If we can keep our mind pure and our eyes pure, we can hear from God. The next thing, be careful not to violate your conscience. These three points actually go together. Don't violate your conscience. Because when your conscience begins to bother you, I tell you, it's really uncomfortable. You know, you can put up a face, I'm feeling good, hallelujah, but your conscience is bothering you. You can never tell that guy inside to shut up. <laughs> That's why, you know, Paul talked about having faith and a pure conscience. To serve God with faith and a pure conscience. That's 1 Timothy 1.9. It's 1.19. Holding faith and a good conscience. Having faith and having a good conscience. Amen. Having, keeping a good conscience is a wonderful gift from God. But we should, if we want to flow in the Holy Spirit, we should never violate our conscience. That means do things that our conscience will tell us is wrong. Amen. So have faith. Faith is not a problem if you study the word. But the conscience part. Faith and a good conscience. Keeping our conscience clean. Amen. It goes hand in hand in keeping our eyes pure, keeping our mind pure. Faith and a clean conscience. Because outwardly everything can be okay, but if your conscience isn't clean, you're going to have problems. It causes a lot of suffering because, you know, it's difficult to walk around with a dirty, with a guilty conscience because it, it affects every area of your life. It affects your fellowship with God. It affects your ability to, to expect or to receive anything from God. It affects your prayer life. It affects everything. So it's good to have a clean conscience. Amen? And so comes the next point. Set boundaries for your life. That's one way you can keep a clean conscience. Set boundaries for your life. I'm not talking about legalism. Legalism is when somebody else tells you, don't do this, don't do that. That's legalism. But setting boundaries is maturity. That's when you say to yourself, I'm going to set these boundaries. I'm not going to do these things. It's healthy. It's a sign of maturity. You know your weaknesses and you say, there's some things I will never do. I will never even go there. Amen. Well, someone said, well, there's nothing wrong with it. Maybe not for you, but for me. For you, it's not an area of temptation, but for me it is. So I choose to draw a line. Because if I cross that line, I'm going to be ridden with guilt because I've done it. And I might ask God to forgive me and the Father forgives me. But my conscience will keep on bothering me for a long time, even after the Father has forgiven me. That's the way it works. 
So what do you do? You set boundaries for your own life. There's some things, some places I will not go to, some things I will not even touch. Amen. And those are areas of temptation in your life. It takes a mature person to set boundaries in his own life. Now once you recognize your weaknesses, you recognize your temptations, and you protect your heart, protect your eyes, protect your mind, you draw boundaries, you'll be safe. You are a place when the Father can speak to you. God can deal with you. He can speak with you. You know, it becomes, it becomes easy to hear from God. Amen. It becomes very easy to hear from God if we have these boundaries in place. Are you with me? Okay. Number six, pray in tongues. Pray in the spirit. A lot. Now, there's many different aspects to praying in the tongues. Bible tells us we build ourselves in our most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Right? The book of Jude. Paul says, he who prays in other tongues, he edifies himself. You know, there's different reasons. But one of the things about speaking in other tongues is that, you know the way our minds are? Because of the way we are trained and we are educated in our, in, in our society. Our minds are trained. We go to school. One of the things about schooling is our minds are trained to think, to experiment, to explore. That is the, that's why we study science and physics and chemistry and all those things. Because we learn to analyze. We learn to rationalize things. We, we think. In terms of logic, you know, that's the whole point of education, teaching you to think and analyze things. And so what happens when you get any information in your mind, you analyze it. And if it makes sense, you keep it. If it doesn't make sense, you reject it. So that's the way the mind works. So what happens is that everything is processed through our mind. So when God speaks to you, it becomes very difficult because a lot of the things that God says are totally outlandish as far as the mind is concerned. In fact, there's a lot of things in the Bible that don't make sense if you process them through your mind. So what speaking in tongues does, you see, the Bible says that when we pray in the spirit, it says, your spirit by the Holy Spirit prays, but your mind is unfruitful. Praying in tongues, what it does, it's a way of, in a way, it's desensitizing your mind and sensitizing your spirit. You desensitize your mind. It's a kind of putting your mind under some kind of anesthetic, if I, if I can put it that way. Kind of deaden the senses of your mind and, then, and, and making our spiritual senses more aware. Because right now, as it is, uh, our, our spirit man, you know, is, is kind of sleeping. Because everything comes to the mind. Whatever comes, it goes to the mind. When we pray, we pray through the mind. Now, praying in the spirit is wonderful because, you know, when we pray and intercede for something, we begin to pray. And, you know, when you begin to pray in English, in five minutes, you, are, you're, you run out of things to pray for. You got a prayer list, you pray those five minutes and boom, it's done. So what do you do? Then you switch gears and begin to pray in the spirit because you don't know what to pray for, but the Holy Spirit knows. So then you're praying from your spirit man. That's the beautiful thing about praying in tongues. So what happens in your everyday life when you learn not just to think all the time, let your mind wander off all the time. You know, you're driving your car or you're laying in bed and instead of letting your mind go everywhere, you just pray in tongues. You just pray in tongues. You pray in tongues. You pray in the spirit. You pray in the spirit. And then what happens? It makes your spirit man sensitive. It tells you, you're telling your mind to shut up and sit down. And your spirit man is sensitive because you're giving him room. 
That is the power of speaking in other tongues. So I tell people, you want to hear from God? Speak in tongues as much as you can. You want to flow in the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Speak in tongues as much as you can. The more you pray in tongues, the more you will hear from God, the more sensitive you will be to hearing the voice of God, the more you'll flow in the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. The next thing, the last thing, develop your human spirit. Like you develop your body. How do you develop your body? Feeding it right and exercising. How do you develop your mind? Knowledge, reading books, education, exercising your mind. So, the last thing is developing your spirit. How do you develop your spirit? You feed yourself the word of God and you do spiritual exercises. That means exercising faith and, as I said, praying the spirit. Now, I want to end by these two scriptures. The first one is Proverbs 20 verse 27. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. That means whenever the Lord wants to enlighten you or bring any revelation to your spirit, he does it through your spirit. Amen? Because the things of God are not discerned by the human mind. Deep calleth unto the deep. The spirit of God calls on the spirit of man. When God speaks to you, he speaks to your spirit. Everything goes through there. Amen? That's how God searches you. That's how God deals with you. That's how, so the more developed, the more sensitive your spirit is, the more clearly you hear from God. And then it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 9 to 12, but as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. Which means there are things that are still hidden that the ear has not heard, that eye has not seen, right? Things that God has for you and me that are not visible to a human being's physical faculties or to his mind. But it says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. So these things are hidden, but they are not hidden, really, because they are revealed to us by his spirit. They are hidden. They are not understood by the mind. You with me? But the things of God are not designed to be understood by the human mind. So if we live, if we operate all the time in the realm of the mind, we will never understand what God is saying. But by his Holy Spirit, he is. So that's why we, we switch gears and we walk in the realm of the spirit. That's where it says, but God has revealed them unto us by his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yet the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of man, save the spirit of man which is in him? The deep things in you, even your own mind doesn't know them. But your spirit man knows them. Even so the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit which is of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Amen. By the Holy Spirit. Who dwells in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in my spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in my spirit. And so when I pray in the spirit, I pray not out of my mind, but I'm giving room to my spirit. That's why it's so important to develop your spirit, man. Pray in tongues, stay in the word, stay in that dimension, because then your spirit is sensitive. Because the things that are maybe hidden to you that your mind doesn't understand, God reveals them to you by his spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. And these are the things that are essential. Amen. These are the things that are real essential. So stay in the word. 
unclutter your mind. These are simple things. Have an uncluttered mind. Do some spring cleaning. Get rid of things in your life that possess you too much. If you're going to enjoy yourself, enjoy yourself with things that don't tend to possess you. I'm not talking about bad things. I'm talking about things that are perfectly legitimate. Secondly, don't have too many perfectly legitimate things in your life. Yes, your mind is still cluttered. Okay to watch TV, but decide. Okay, I'm going to watch this, no more. Internet, I'm going to do this, but no more. My hunting, fishing, boating, I don't know, hunting alligators, what you do here. Whatever you do, <laughs> keep everything at a place. You know, keep, keep everything at a place that nothing possesses your mind. Amen. Because then, then you are at a place where God can speak to you. Because your mind is uncluttered and you have a lot of room for the Holy Spirit. And then stay in, stay in the Word. Pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. And you'll be successful in life and you will never regret it. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.